0: Welcome to Film Enquiries, The Latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. And this is part two of our Toronto International Film Festival recap. If you haven't listened to part one yet, it's right there in your queue. Go listen to it. Uh, and we talked about such uh, big titles that premiered at the festival, such as Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, Uh, glass onion the sequel to knives out also talked about woman king pearl but this time still here daniel feingold daniel we're going to talk about some of the the maybe smaller movies that we saw at the festival um i'll kind of pass to you of like what was something that kind of caught your eye that maybe you knew nothing about going into the festival um that you now kind of want to champion you want to draw people's attention to um because one of the great things about going to a film festival like tiff is not just to see something like the fable mens a couple months before it comes out and kind of get the early word on it but also to discover movies that are maybe under the radar or just wandering into something being like i like this actor or i like this director but i don't really know anything about this new project of theirs and kind of getting swept up in something that you have no idea where it's going. What Was was there one movie at this festival that kind of gave you an experience like that?
1: Biosphere. Let's go. A sci-fi buddy comedy starring Sterling K. Brown, Mark Duplass, um, co-written by Mark Duplass as well with the director, Mel Eslin, and I knew nothing about this movie going in other than who was in it and that it was kind of... End of world, two guys in a biosphere, end of story. There's no trailer, as far as I know, unless something has has dropped in the meantime. Uh, I also do not believe this has distribution yet. It better get some kind of distribution, because people should be able to see this movie. And it was a surprise screening, actually, at TIFF. They announced it kind of late, um, and... For a movie that was a surprise screening, you should go into allowing it to be an absolute surprise. Um, I I did do a review on this for Newsy, um, and the less said, the better. It just it takes these two characters in directions that you just could not possibly imagine going in. It is, I think. A for me a rare kind of sci-fi mystery comedy whatever you want the sci-fi genre in in general that um left me very content and happy with where where it ended and ha- how it ended um a lot of these kinds of movies very easily disappoint you or there's some reveal at the end um or there's whatever the conclusion is just kind of leaves you unsatisfied or empty. And this is a movie that I still appreciate more and more the more I think about it. And it's just a beautiful movie. It's, again, a sci-fi buddy comedy that uses, in some cases, kind of like uproarious, outrageous laughter and comedy to pierce through with some social commentary. And I think it's done with great empathy, with great care. A lot could have gone wrong in the hands of maybe some just less capable people. And I think it's it's handled beautifully and certainly um, one of the more memorable movies that I will, I will see all year. And a delightful surprise, both in that it was a surprise screening and just with how much I came away loving it.
0: Yeah. I, I, it's one that I heard you uh, immediately. I think I saw you like right as you were coming out of the screening and you were like, Oh my God, Oh my God, this movie. But you were also like, I can't tell you anything about it. You just need to experience a cold.
1: (laughs) I, I I wish, I wish I could, I feel like even, even watching a trailer for this or even really talking about what the themes are other than just saying, like, it makes you think about the human experience um in ways that maybe again you wouldn't expect from like an end of the world comedy like again i I just can't stress enough how the less you know going in the better because even being tipped off to the themes or kind of the plot setup other than the basic conceit of two guys two friends last man on earth in a biosphere it's unfair for you to know more like just go just go in cold and experience it
0: for me i think one there there's two movies that really kind of like surprised me i i I think the one that was one of my favorites of the festival was the eternal daughter which is new movie from joanna hogg which um i really knew nothing about except for it had tilda swinton in it um joanna hogg obviously the British filmmaker behind the souvenir movies, um, which uh, Tilda Swinton was also in, in a supporting role. This new movie is kind of a third one, but I think as Joanna Hogg has kind of like said, like it, she doesn't view it as a third one, but um, in much the way that like the souvenir movies are very autobiographical, like this movie is very autobiographical and has Tilda Swinton essentially playing uh multiple characters a a filmmaker and then her elderly mother they go away to this kind of spooky hotel in the english countryside for a kind of relaxing weekend away um and the filmmaker character is looking to make a movie about um her mother and it is on one hand this like Very atmospheric, very like smog rolling in from behind the forest, kind of creaks in the attic, kind of old fashioned ghost story that's also unexpectedly funny, like really, really funny in places, but is also kind of Joanna Hogg, it feels like, using the frameworks of this kind of genre in order to make a movie about her struggling to make a movie about her mother and like the desire of trying to connect to this parent in their late stage in life and being like, I really don't know too much about you. And you've been kind of like quiet about like what it was like growing up and all of this stuff and trying to understand your parent as an adult. And another movie that kind of does that a little bit too, is this movie you and I saw called after son. That's from this first time director uh called charlotte wells um who is from scotland and made this movie that is very clearly about her relationship with her father and feels very autobiographical and is sort of this fictional story about a a young woman reflecting on this trip she takes with her father played by um paul mescal from normal people and i'm i'm struggling to kind of think of it because it really is a movie that is like it's less of sort of what it's about and more of how it's about it it moves in this very like fluid way that in the way that sort of like you remember events from your life and it it feels like someone who is just sort of like sporadically recalling on memories from this very specific trip and trying to get at something about her father that maybe she had glimpses of as a kid, but did not have the full picture of. And the idea of a parent that maybe has like some darker kind of repressed feelings that they are not sort of um, directly have. They they don't directly have on the surface um, when they're around their child, but you know, you become more aware of when you grow older as an adult and to me the movie is about trying to sort of go burrow back into your memories and be like well is this a clue and like what does this mean about my parent And does this this give any more kind of illuminating uh idea into like what they were really like as 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 just a person not as you know your parent or guardian but as just an adult out in the world Um, and it's really just a movie that i i think it's like the directorial debut of the year i'm like really excited to see what other stuff she does um paul mescal is great in it i think like if there's any justice and award stuff like he should be like near the top of like supporting actor conversation i think for this movie um a24 is putting it out i they're putting out both that and eternal daughter i don't know when those are planning on being released, but definitely two, I would like highly encourage people to keep a lookout for, because I really knew nothing about them going in and wound up having them be like up there with the Fablemans is I think like two of my favorite things I saw during the festival.
1: Yeah. As we discussed in the last episode of just like a lot of like familial stuff. And, and I, I mentioned, you know, call your, call your parents. That's the Fablemans. mens. Mm -hmm. Call your dad. That's after son. Call your mom. That's the lost daughter or the eternal daughter. Excuse me. Um, And yeah, after son especially stuck with me in an unexpected way. The longer we've been separated from it, um, kind of a devastating way, like a a devastatingly frustrating way. Uh, But I mean, I mean that good.
0: Yeah, it's also just got this like incredible final sequence to it that i don't want to i don't want to spoil anything about it to people because you could just feel the the sort of like people standing up in their seats and this kind of like oh and and of just sort of like people kind of just being stirred to wow this is something like really special in kind of the the final concluding moments of that movie um that i i i think makes it also like the ending to a movie this year i mean we we got three more months of movies left, but I I'm hard pressed to think that there's going to be anything that's going to like quite blow me away as much as kind of like the final five five minutes or so of this movie does.
1: And Eternal Daughter, Tilda Swinton playing two two characters, just kind of like almost just like, kind of the same thing that we've been talking about with with other with with Steven Spielberg with Viola Davis, where it's just like do we do we underappreciate? Tilda Swinton and her her talent just like just effortlessly being like I I, I was I I got a chance to see a, have a Q and A with with Joanna Hogg and, and um and Tilda Swinton after one of the screenings for the Eternal Daughter at TIFF and someone asked. Tilda like about the challenge of playing two characters, and she essentially said there was no challenge. Um, like just
0: what a queen. Just, yeah,
1: absolutely, it's <laughs> just amazing. But then she had she had like a really insightful answer and explained what she meant by that and like what the what what was more challenging for her. And I, I did not know Joanna Hogg and, and Tilda switten go back; they're they like lifelong friends. Uh, I think mm-hmm. one of them explained it as like they know each other be- besides like blood relatives they know each other longer than anyone else in their lives. And I thought that was very sweet and kind of um, goes towards what they were also talking about of just like their collaboration and working together and bouncing ideas off each other and like almost finishing each other's sentences and thoughts and like being able to like further, like Joanna Hogg would, would give an answer and then Tilda would pick up on that and like further explain Joanna's process. And like, it was just, it was great to see, to see their vibe. Um and yeah uh, a great movie and also something that's like a lot funnier than you would expect going into it
0: well let's maybe I'll, I'll put some some horns let's get some horns in here some, some trumpeting sounds I think it's time to talk award season because as much as we might not want to think about that because the Oscars are like six months away the fall festival season and, and tell in particular kind of signals the kickoff to kind of thinking about this stuff. Um, we obviously talked about, I, I, we don't have to lament on it anymore, but I, I think it's pretty safe to say like Fablemans is kind of the front runner at this point. Like uh, there is the, the tweet from David Ehrlich over the weekend that was just like, let's, let's be real. Y'all. Like, like what other competition is like, th- this is the most kind of like squarely for the Academy kind of movie that's that's out there and it doesn't really seem like there's many el- much else on the horizon but um did see several other movies that if not will be in the Oscar conversation, I think are have Oscar aspirations. Um you and I both saw The Banshees of Inisherin. Delightful. Delightful. A hoot.
1: Probably probably my second favorite of the fe- well, I- Third, I would go Fableman's Biosphere, then Banshees. Um,
0: Another one that's like growing on me the more, the more time goes on. And just like a really funny movie to experience it in the theater. Um, if anyone doesn't know, this is the newest film from playwright Martin McDonough, who I think as far as his movies go, I'm a little hit or miss at this point. Like, I really like this one. Um, obviously, his first movie in Bruges. Uh, which starts Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, who are also in this movie. Um, but I would say I was not particularly a big fan of either Seven Psychopaths or Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, which was kind of the big divisive Oscar contender from five years ago. Um, but this new movie, I think, is the first time since In Bruges that I've been on board. And uh, Farrell and Gleeson play... Two friends on a small island off the coast of Ireland whose friendship just one of them. The Brendan Gleeson character decides, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to be friends anymore. I got other stuff I want to do. And it becomes this like very humorous, but also like in places kind of dark. I don't know if there's, so, there's something so kind of biblical about it. And it seems kind of like this old kind of tall tale fable um, that I'm still sort of like unpacking all of its different kind of possible allegorical meanings. There's obviously a lot of allusions to like the Irish civil war that's happening at the same time. And so like immediately, I think when you and I were talking about it coming out was talking about like, it seemed to me to be kind of this metaphor for this rift that's going on in the country at the time but is also just this funny kind of comedy of manners of like Farrell playing this very sweet but kind of like simple minded man who just like is like I don't understand why is my best friend not want to be around me anymore. And Brendan Gleeson character is like I don't know I kind of feel like I need to like be more constructive with my time and I'm not going to be constructive with my time just hanging out with you all the time you're kind of you're a boring Betty. And the way that that plays out and kind of takes surprisingly sort of violent turns in places, I, I just found sort of like delightful and surprising and I think it's easily the best screenplay of the year. Um, I'm also just a sucker for any time Colin Farrell wants to be goofy in a movie. Um, and boy, is he funny in this? Um, so I, I don't know what did you, what did you think about it?
1: his funniest performance since uh the penguin in the dark era in in the batman also this year uh no i say that sincerely Uh, he's 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 killing it right now um yeah i i I loved it i also you know by the end of tiff this was like our relationship where you know we're like boarding the plane and i'm just like all right so we're gonna sit together and you're like i don't really want to talk to you anymore i was like nah
0: i'm i'm gonna nap and listen to my audiobook yeah
1: (laughs) no but uh yeah this movie is basically like how far a person will go to make a friend regret ghosting them um and <laughs> it's true yeah um just like the whole cast is is phenomenal uh small you know smaller principal cast but carrie condon who plays uh uh colin farrell's sister in this um she also you may recognize her from um better call saul uh i thought she 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 was great um and yeah just just a great time and there, there is a lot to unpack but if you a hilarious just wanna, barry
0: barry keegan as well yeah
1: if you just want to so yeah I, uh again you have a, a batman reunion there um but if if you if you just want to like there, there is a lot to unpack and, and there is there, there, there are metaphors and it's allegorical but if you just want to go in and like kind of watch it as a romp and just like uh kind of ridiculous Buddy comedy or like ex buddy comedy, you could just watch it as that too if you want. But I think this could be kind of a certainly consideration of Colin Farrell for for best actor, but also yeah. uh, kind of uh not really a front runner, but in the conversation for one of the top one of one of the ten picks for best picture.
0: Oh yeah, I I, I can imagine, especially this is a movie that I can imagine like the writer's branch in particular like really fawning over it because like like i said i do think it's probably like the best screenplay of the year um in terms of just like the the like delightfully funny dialogue and but also like all of the the kind of biblical and metaphorical aspects to it um brendan gleason i think too could like you know he would go on my supporting actor ballot. Like That's I, great. I think he's great as well. In like his in his own sort of curmudgeonly way, in, in the his his like curmudgeoniness, I think is just like a perfect balance to like Farrell's sort of like aw sweetness, and like naivety it, in this movie.
1: And he's able to thread the needle of being kind of ostensibly the villain without being unlikable. Like mm-hmm. he's. You kind of see where he's
0: coming from. You're kind of like, I don't know, the Colin Farrell character is kind of an idiot.
1: (laughs) Right. And it's like he's so cruel, kind of like so like cold. And yet you never are necessarily you never I never felt like he was a bad guy or I didn't I didn't hold anything against him. At the same time, it's like, oh, come on, guys, just just hang out it'll, it'll be f-, like, but you never I never felt myself like rooting against him or harboring any ill will against him. So I thought I thought that was a, a, a tightrope to walk that he that he did very gently.
0: You want to talk about the whale?
1: I, I want to talk about your 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 specific take on the whale and how some some of the <laughs> scenes play out because that that to me was one of my one of the highlights of, of the the festival not not the whale itself but your take on the whale which I don't know if you're if if you want to go there with the podcast but sure I mean I
0: mean pe- people can read I I wrote a review for it for the site um, I'm very mixed on the whale though it seemed to be the kind of like hotly debated divisive movie of the festival. Um, this is obviously based off of the, I think, rather controversial, um, stage play from about, uh, 10 years ago of the same name, um, being adapted by Darren Aronofsky, who, of course, made, like, Mother and Requiem for a Dream and Black Swan, um, and has this very, very buzzed about Brendan Fraser performance that um, who seems to be, I mean, as much as we love Colin Farrell and banshees of Anna Sharon, Fraser seems to be the, seems to have surpassed Austin Butler and, and Elvis is your, your best actor front runner. Um, but the movie is basically like Fraser playing this college professor who is a recluse and is grieving the loss of his partner. And in doing so has, just sort of develop this like destructive eating habit where he is basically like gained six he weighs over 600 pounds and is essentially eating himself to death and in kind of sensing his you know final days are in sight uh tries to make amends with his his estranged teenage daughter who uh he left when he like left his previous marriage to be with this new partner um and that teenage daughter played by Sadie sink from stranger things it's it's a movie i'm very very conflicted by i think a lot of the performances in it are very good like i i've been telling people like the fraser performance is quite excellent like and i think it's a performance i think people are weirdly going to talk about in the wrong ways i think people are going to talk about it and it's like oh this brave very like physical transformation performance but to me, like what makes the performance good is like Frazier is underneath, you know, Frazier is like a bigger guy now, but he's not like, he's not nearly this big. Like Fra- he's, he's, he's like, not plus 600 pounds. No, 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 no. I mean, he's <laughs> yes. No. Um, But like, there's something about Brendan Frazier's kind of innate goodness and how expressive an actor he is, you know, like when he was kind of at the height of his fame in like the late 90s, or early 2000s, he was someone who could do like quiet drama or action movie or like very, very broad, goofy comedy um, and just had this like really lovable presence about him while also having this kind of matinee idol good looks. And I just kept thinking about like his eyes and his face in this performance. And like he has to be his sort of goodness and his expressiveness really comes through like this, like hundreds of pounds of makeup that I'm sure he's wearing and really makes this a three dimensional, very alive character. I think my confliction comes with the Aronofsky aspect of it, which Aronofsky to his credit, like is one of the more, I think talented filmmakers that just sort of portraying the kind of grotesque and, uh unsightly in the world and there is a certain point in there's a certain contradiction i i feel in this movie where it is both wanting you to empathize with the brendan Fraser character and he's sort of doing all this work to like draw you in as an audience and have that empathy for him while also the sort of aesthetics that darren aronofsky is adding to the movie is like you know it's it's the buster bluth like i'm a monster I'm a monster or like, look how gross I am sort of attitude. And I don't know that it just sort of felt like this movie was kind of constantly at war with itself or could not figure out what it thought about this character and just sort of felt very aesthetically confused. It also has all of these various themes connecting to like the book, Moby Dick, the title kind of comes from, or, you know, the Brendan Fraser t- character is always talking about like, like, honesty and to have like honesty in what you say and what you write and that didn't even really make sense to me in the theme and there's all these sort of like religious topic religious topics and religious themes that come in that also it it just sort of felt like a mess like I've never seen the play I I understand it was like controversial for stuff that's kind of outside what I'm talking about that kind of had to do with whether people felt it was sort of fat shaming or not I'm not really interested into getting into that debate I just sort of felt kind of like as a screenplay it was really sort of like confused and kind of all over the place and had these great performances at its center who were trying to sort of wrestle this emotion and this empathy for the audience but just sort of like found themselves caught in this kind of like hysterical mess of a stage play and and the movie really is kind of like it's very contained like a, a stage production but um certainly seemed to be the movie that like just in talking with people in lines, like people either seem to like really love it and think it was one of the best things they saw at the fa fe- at the festival or like really despise it and think it was like one of the worst things they saw. um maybe this is a way for me to put you on the spot and be like, Daniel, do you love or hate this movie? <laughs> I don't have it in in my
1: I'm in my top tier, but I, I did really like it. I think i I feel more strongly about it than than you do. um I think. Your description of the Fraser performance is right on the money. With as as impressive as it is that he is able to portray this six hundred pound man with with the kind of the laboring and the the struggle that he's doing in the in the wheezing of the actual the actual the, the physical weight that he is supposed to be portraying, it is more so the emotional baggage that this character has. And mm-hmm. the feelings and the and the the trauma that this character is bringing with him that he's able to portray. It's really the emotional stuff that I think is is most impressive. Um, certainly the 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 thing that people that's going to get people's attention is, oh my God, Brendan Fraser is playing a six hundred pound man. and obviously that is that goes along with a lot of like a, a, academy recognized performances where oh look at this physical transformation. And right. obviously that's there. But I think if you look a little deeper, there's more of the kind of the the humanizing of uh of a character that he's bringing to life here um that really does put us in this kind of maybe a conflicting spot of like okay does aronofsky does the movie want us to empathize with this person how much are we supposed to empathize how much are we supposed to think about kind of the the really horrible things that Uh, he has done or the the fact that he's neglected his daughter for all these years um and the the selfishness of putting his best friend in the movie in, in the spot that she is in um so that said i think it worked more for me than it didn't work and also that said a play adapted to a movie or in one location a small cast dialogue driven this sounds like a Daniel movie. Like I'm kind of a sucker for this kind of thing. You know, as, as we've certainly talked about a lot where it's just like, Oh, adapted from a play. You say, tell me more, you know, it's kind of like, maybe that just suckers me in.
0: I I forget. Did you see, uh, women talking at the festival too?
1: That was, that was one of the few that I, I really want to see that I missed. So I, yeah.
0: Cause that's another one that like is, it's not based off a play it's based off a book but but does feel it's very very contained and most of the movie is you know i watching it i kept wondering like what the stage play version of it is because i would say like a good 75 percent of it is that this is obviously sarah Pauli's new movie that i think also will be a big oscar contender even though i i would say the the vibe and reception of it at tiff maybe seemed like Maybe not quite as enthusiastic as it did at Telluride, where the film premiered, but um it, even still, I think like um in the press release we got from Tip yesterday, like it was the numbered. It, it got second place in the tallies for um audience prize. Um I think third place was the the knives out movie. Um, but I'm I'm very interested to Hear what you and other uh, women talking is one of those where, like, I was almost even hesitant to give necessarily, you know, come out storming with hot takes about it. Of it was really one of the ones in the festival where I was like, I'm really curious to hear what other people think of this, and um specifically hear what like a lot of female audience members have to say about it. Uh, it's about this Mennonite community um, where the women uh come to the realization that they have been sort of sexually abused by the men in the in the community for decades and decades and have just you know they've woken up in the morning and have been sort of brutalized or raped and have been told by the men for as i said generations that it is these demons coming in the middle of the night to punish them for their sins and one night they catch the the a couple of the men Uh, in the middle of the act and the men are arrested the rest of the men in the colony leave to go bail them out of jail and the women have sort of one night uh, where they gather in uh, this barn to essentially discuss and debate like what do we do next do we stay here if we stay here do we push back against them do we take them at their word that they won't this won't happen again should we leave the community um i i don't think it's a movie that totally succeeds um and it's maybe one that i'm fascinated to watch again and to have a much more in-depth conversation on the show like later in the year when it comes out i believe in december um i think it is a movie that's going to provoke some kind of strong reactions out of people similar to the whale um not like i said not all the aesthetic decisions in it totally work for me um but i think even in there is like a pretty interesting screenplay about with like maybe the best ensemble cast of the year including people like rooney mara jesse buckley francis mcdormand um claire foy ben wishaw and this group of people who have all gathered to basically discuss like how how does a community move on from tragedy um and i think it's it's something that's even broader than kind of the the sexual assault stuff in the movie like you know this kind of could apply to something like what is happening in Sandy Hook now I'm sure where like can we forgive can how can we move on what can we do differently going forward you know it it is about our community wrestling with those same questions after you know this horrible tragedy has struck them um so i'll I'll be I'll be interested like what other people think of that because like I said i I left kind of not totally sure that everything in it worked for me but i think there's still kind of a lot to admire and i do think it's a movie that i'm sure will be a bigger part of the conversation once oscars get closer in the sort of chaos of award season if that makes sense
1: i'm very curious to see if i texted you and another friend after this screening that this movie is all about capital T trauma. Um, yes. But it's, it's it's making some noise, mainly I think because of the Jennifer Lawrence performance kind of going back to maybe, I've seen some comparison of like, oh, this is, or, or talk of like, oh, this is her going back to kind of like Winter's Bone of a, a very quiet, understated performance. This, from this is Causeway you're, you're talking about. Yes, I'm sorry, yes, about Causeway. It, yeah, yeah. Um, and ju- I, shout out to, her co-star in this movie is brian tyree henry who still for me is batting 1000 haven't seen him do anything less than stellar um i think this is a movie where the performances are better than the movie because um as as we were talking before it's like it it feels like it doesn't let us sit in the trauma that it already presents with these two characters um and instead just kind of keeps piling piling on more trauma that isn't necessary um it is about uh jennifer lawrence coming back from war in afghanistan and she has been injured uh so she's going through rehab both physically and mentally and she wants to get back overseas immediately and she meets she she goes home to new orleans Uh, she clearly feels uncomfortable being home um, and is wanting to get back overseas so she doesn't have to deal with The trauma of being home she rather deal with the trauma of kind of putting herself back in the position that ended up with her being severely wounded in multiple ways um and she meets brian tyree henry who has his own um kind of traumatic backstory and they form this unexpected friendship and again movie is solid i think i kind of came down in the middle of it with um a lot of respect for the performances i could see this is coming to apple tv plus um i could see some discussion at least discussion of jennifer lawrence and brian tyree henry getting nominated jennifer lawrence for best actress brian tyree henry for best supporting actor um so yeah i'm curious to see uh, same same way that you were you were talking about women talking like kind of what the conversation around this is and if it does get any buzz once it hits apple tv plus if it does maybe kind of get oscar buzz for best picture i, I don't i i don't see it as that but maybe you know apple tv plus is right riding, riding that wave of of getting best picture from just last year
0: one movie that i do kind of wonder whether it is dead on arrival is uh empire of light the the sam mendes movie which i don't believe you saw either um but
1: but is it is it not the a, a kind of an oscar darling of like this is a this is celebrating cinema and it's olivia coleman <laughs> not sam mendes
0: it it is i'm i'm sort of like unsure of like it's the kind of movie that i think still has the possibility to like be in the conversation and have you know our listeners will be hearing about it like in February be like, Oh, maybe I should go and check out that, check that out. Um, but I don't think I met a single person at TIFF in just talking in lines that granted like very anecdotally who liked this movie. I mean, here's the thing of like kind of what you were saying. Like it is a movie that has a lot of very well-respected people working on it. It's directed by Sam Mendez. It's shot by Roger Deakins. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the score it stars Olivia Coleman and Colin Firth and Toby Jones and is set in a movie theater in the 1980s and is partially about like the power of cinema um and even has a scene where it feels like Olivia Coleman saw the Nicole Kidman AMC ad and was a bit like hold my beer and (laughs) tried to do her own version of it um but i I just gotta be honest this this movie like did not work for me at all. I kind of think it's a bit of a hot mess. um, it is like you can see a lot of like the craftsmanship put to the screen um, and everyone kind of like doing their best, but I think it kind of gets failed by this like weird screenplay in which it's basically like Olivia Coleman playing this. Um, schizophrenic woman working at uh, a movie theater in the 1980s and falls in love with this um, much younger man uh, played by an actor named Michael Ward, who I, I don't think I'd ever really seen in anything before, or that's not true. It looks like uh, he was in um, the uh, one of the Steve McQueen small acts movies. And he was in, uh, speaking of Jane of Prince, who we talked about earlier uh the old guard the charlize theron action movie that she did um but basically this like um love story that develops between these two characters working at this old movie theater and it just kind of has the problem of like to me of movie romance doesn't work if i can't really like buy why either of these people would be together and that sort of becomes a problem with this movie of like i have no i mean i kind of get why the olivia coleman character is attracted to him because he's this like very handsome strapping young man but there there becomes a point in the movie where it's like i mean i love olivia coleman but like why is he why is this like younger very like handsome guy kind of like taken with this this older schizophrenic woman at this, like if it was a friendship, it would kind of make sense, but there, there just becomes a certain point where like the romance and them is kind of these kind of like star-crossed lovers who meet in this movie palace, like does not really work. And then like, it kind of becomes a like mental health drama at one point of like, Oh no, Olivia Coleman's really spiraling out of control. And then it's also got to be like about racial politics in the uh 1980s in england but that stuff kind of becomes like very shoehorned in there um i i but then it also needs to be about like uh uh-huh cinema and like we need to have like a scene where olivia (laughs) coleman watches like being there the peter sellers movie and like balls crying or something like it, it it just kind of feels like a mess of a movie that i don't it it feels like a lot of like stray ideas that sam mendez who also wrote the movie and typically doesn't write his own movies kind of strung together in this screenplay. Um, And I I don't know it, like I said, it just flat out did not work for me, but I can also see kind of, as you said, there are like so many very highly respectable people in their fields that have worked on this, that I could easily see it being the thing that kind of gets sort of like shoehorned in and is maybe like everyone's like eighth or ninth, is near like the bottom of the list of the Oscar the, nominees or something.
1: The being the Ricardos of this year, perhaps?
0: Re- yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Can, or can, or the Belfast of this year, the, the one that sort of like all the awards prognosticators are going to kind of beat their chest over. And then like at the end of the day, when people sit down and watch the movie, they're like, that was bad. That was, <laughs> I mean, I like everyone involved in this, but I'm sorry that did not work. I can't, I can't lie anymore. So.
1: While we're on the topic of a movie that you didn't particularly like, uh, do we should should we talk about what didn't work for us at at the because I am I am I am ready to go with yeah, I think I think this
0: is I think this is a mode for you. I mean, I don't have too much, I kind of went off on the menu and went off on Empire of Light. Um, really, the only other movie that I saw that kind of didn't work for me was um, Lost King. This, uh, that was our first movie, yeah, this movie we saw with Sally Hawkins in it where she plays. Um, the woman who helped uh, find the remains of King Richard the III. Uh, this is like a big international story like a couple years ago. Um, love Sally Hawkins. You know, Sally Hawkins like Olivia Colman. It's just like constantly good. It's like saying water is wet. Just like can't give a bad performance and is very charming in this movie that I also thought was like kind of a mess and had some like weird aesthetic decisions like her seeing the spirit of king richard and talking with him and all all this other like weird stuff that in the movie that like did did not work for me um it's basically like steve coogan is also in it and helped write the screenplay um it's basically kind of like the same team of people who did uh filomena a few years back but um which is a pretty like solid sweet movie but i would say this kind of has like the same feel but it maybe felt like a little messier if that makes sense but i don't i don't really have too much to kind of lament and boo so yeah um, i think, I, think I, don't, we, I don't know is there anything that kind of like didn't work for you that we haven't at least kind of touched on
1: just to, just to add on to, to the lost king i i hate saying this because i feel like i want movies like this because we don't Necessarily get a lot of them, but it it did feel like a movie or a story that is tough to a real life story that is tough to adapt to a two hour movie, and maybe would have worked more as I don't know a four or six part Netflix or BBC series um, or a really just,
0: whimsical documentary.
1: Yeah, just didn't a really difficult like the the speaking to the king like that that is that is a that is a choice and mm. also kind of a way to advance the story and make it interesting but it it didn't really it didn't really work um i thought it was okay i thought it was fine um but and i think it'll be a nice movie for fans of of the monarchy and and maybe boomers like i think i think like my mom would really love this movie um, it is just, it is a
0: quintessential like your grandma will stumble upon this on an airplane coming to visit you for thanksgiving and be like that was the most <laughs> magical thing i've ever seen it, it is like right. one of those movies
1: i i feel like when i was I, I was seeing reaction on twitter it seemed like people were just like pleasant is the word to to use um and, mm-hmm. and i think that's like that's kind of the, the charm of sally hawkins um you know paddington paddington 2 can do no wrong for me uh <laughs> sally hawkins all day um the the movie that i guess i was alluding to when i when i blurted out like should we talk about the stuff that didn't work um because because mo- by and large we what we saw we were pretty happy with or like at least like mid on um mm-hmm. movie that did not work for me was the good nurse um and hate to say it in large part because of eddie redmayne's performance um mm maybe the the first time an actor has delivered a feature length performance while entirely asleep. Um, And uh, I know, I know Eddie Redmayne has, has his fans and he has uh, his detractors. Certainly I, I would say I'm, I'm neither here nor there. Jesse's raising his hand um, for detractors. I think I, I've seen him in stuff that I think he's fine or good. I've seen him now in stuff that I, you know, um, Jupiter ascending, you know, still just one of, is the,
0: it weird to say that's like the one performance of his, I think is actually kind of good because like the weirdness of the, the things that sort of bother me or like, don't work for me about like him in any other movie I've seen him in, like kind of work there. Like it's kind yeah, of the that, same that performance, was... but it's like, well, at least you're in like an over the top <laughs> space opera this time.
1: Right. <laughs> right. At least, yeah. At least he's like, no, he knows his assignment. Um, this is, a also, this is based on a true story. Um, uh, Jessica Chastain plays a nurse who befriends a, a new nurse at her hospital who ends up uh, is a serial killer and has been killing patients uh, at different hospitals for years. And uh, Eddie Redmayne plays that serial killer. And so it is kind of the, a, a humanizing uh, version of a like true crime story. Naturally, this is a Netflix movie. Um, it's just... It doesn't really ever consider which perspective it wants to tell you the story from, because we get a lot from the perspective of Jessica Chastain, but then we also have the detectives in the movie, so then it's kind of a crime procedural, it gets a little bit of like law and order in there, Um, and then we never really kind of unpack what's going on with the Eddie Redmayne character, and that's fine, um because again it's based on a true story so they're working with what they know to be true but i also at the same time i feel like when you are doing a movie and this certainly i think goes for the eddie redmayne performance maybe you want to be true to that story or true to the character but at the same time if if this is a character i don't think a lot of people like know much about this this back of the story or certainly the if they know the story they certainly i don't think know about like who the killer is Or like his mannerisms, or exactly what he looks like. So for Eddie Redmayne to make the choices that he's making in this performance, and for them to to tell the story in the way that they told it, you're allowed to take some creative liberties there. Like Eddie Redmayne is not playing, I don't know who's like, like Bill Clinton or something, like someone that like from our recent memory that like we know very well. We know how they speak. We know how we know the mannerisms. Like he he's allowed to not whisper talk the entire time and then be like ridiculous at the very end of the movie when it's time to, you know, go, go for, go for a grand slam. Um, he is making some choices here. I think that can be said for like any performance he does and it just does not work. And I think Jessica Chastain's very good in this movie. She, when, when is she not at least, you know, solid. Um, but this just did not work for me. And the more, the more it sits with me, the more I kind of resent it um especially with not to spoil anything even though this is not a spoiler but it does come later in the movie it's one of the most absurd what would you call it, like title cards ever um or like <laughs> you
0: told me about it, this <laughs>
1: yeah what what are the what are the more absurd like kind of you know when it when it tells you like the 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 story and like oh this is this is how these char- like this is what happened to these characters after this movie ends. One of the more absurd things to ever be put on screen, I think. Um, just like, I think I laughed in the theater. Like I think I was kind of or like I kind of like like scoffed. Um, just just also- say it. Just, just say it.
0: Just say it. It's okay. It's a true story. We're we don't we don't have to follow the same same it, parameters. Okay. As-
1: Okay, well, if, if you're really invested just, in the movie and, like, d- and don't want even this much as a spoiler, again, it's based on a true story. Like, spoiler off! For... Okay, episode okay. over,
0: just go.
1: <laughs> it says, it's telling you what happens to the Jessica Chastain character um, and says she remains a good nurse. So they 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 manage to incorporate the, the title of the movie in the title card at the end, and it's just, like, what, like, why and, and there was like a there was kind of like a and again like you're you're at a you're at a film festival people are excited to like see movies and there was just kind of like a a like half-hearted applause when that that came up <laughs> like people feel people feeling like they they should clap but like also like why am i clapping like why did you actually put that there um, i don't think also- you told me
0: that detail but that all that makes it like 10 times funnier that like that came up and people gave a like good participation kind of like half clap for that <laughs> it is like- it, it's,
1: it, it, it When it's in, you're put in an awkward position because before the, you know, when they're introducing the movie for him, they're like, we have the director here. We have Eddie Redmayne here. We have Jessica Chastain here. And there's like, Ooh, ah. And then, so, you know, they're there. And then it's like, well, how do you react? And it's, it kind of goes to the, the, you know, what we were talking about while the festival was happening. and, And I forget who exactly was, it was who tweeted it of like how many masterpieces are going to come out of this festival where like the immediate reaction to like every movie is like, if you look on Twitter, like the immediate reaction is like brilliant 10 out of 10 best thing ever. And then once they like actually kind of go through more vetting and actually get released, it's like it kind of everything comes back down to earth or, you know, the right. cream of the crop sorts itself out. Um But it's like, yeah, you would, you would, look at the reviews or like initial feedback from this movie and think it's like the best thing ever. And it's like, eh, there's a reason this is just like a Netflix film. That's like very much like kind of a, a hallmark or um, made for TV movie that is just like better production and like bigger stars. Um, and again, like a movie that like, I think my mom, I probably will. I, I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going to test this. I'm going to wait and see. I do I, I bet. I bet we'll talk again in a few months after this movie's come out, and I'm going to be like, I didn't say anything. To, I didn't say anything to this uh, to my mom about this, and she like texted me like, "Have you heard of the Good Nurse? I just watched it. Very exhilarating. Great performances. Like it's going to be a, a movie that my mom loves, but ultimately is like really kind of just bad. <laughs> Sorry, just bad. Just not. It's not good. Not good. Um.
0: Well, yeah. I think that kind of wraps this up for for this episode i feel like um, every time
1: i'm on it just ends in a in a in a delusional rant for me
0: no we can well, let's 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 end on something positive <laughs> let's let's what is one movie you haven't gotten a chance to talk about that you enjoyed at the festival that just Pat- like five, five seconds you can say like see this it was good
1: patrick and the whale documentary about whales delightful beautiful creatures uh i don't think it has distribution yet but when it does uh yeah check it out it's like a 85
0: 90 minute movie about whales cool uh i will throw out a bone to i'll cheat a little bit to a movie i saw right before the festival but premiered at the festival which is decision to leave the new park chan wook movie um very good excited to talk about it when it comes out uh yeah just a like great incredibly romantic sexy noir um Coming up on the next few weeks on the latest, uh, next week, um, the time has come for us to, uh, discuss don't worry, darling, which I have seen Oh boy! and think oh boy. will be a, a, <laughs> a possibly humorous, very, uh, I, I think that's just going to be a fun episode. I'm just going to put it there. I, I think there's going to be a lot of, uh. There's going to be a lot of silliness, I think, depending on who I get to go on. Um, And then after that, to kind of wrap us up in September, um, you know, funny thing, Daniel, is I didn't think I was going to see a more divisive, polarizing movie this year than The Whale. And we landed back in Atlanta, went to bed, got up the next morning, had a a message in my inbox from a company called Netflix. They were like, what's up, Jesse? We got a movie for you to watch. Care to view it? Fired it up? It's called Blonde. And, um... I'll... I'll leave it there. I'll just let the pause speak for itself. Maybe the most divisive... Yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. It's The the discourse is rampant. Get... Buckle up, because, I mean, the Blonde discourse is, is, is already spicy now, but I... I mean, we just might need... Society might collapse when this movie is, like, finally available and just, like, a normal person can fire it up.